friend in restaurants again over this summer has given me a feeling of, well, elation. Seeing them in person makes me realize how much I need that in-person connection versus the viral connection. I respect the old adage, any port in a storm, and I'm thankful Zoom, WebEx, and other platforms enabled us to connect in a way we really hadn't taken advantage of pre-COVID. But there is truly something wonderful, at least for me, about a hug and a smile with a familiar and longtime friend before sitting down at our table and engaging in great conversation and food for hours on end. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Career Couch with Dr. Carol and Friends. I am Dr. Carol Isom Barnes, host of the show, and normally I have a guest or a friend co-host with me, but this week I want to talk to you about a common refrain I personally have been hearing a lot lately. People, many of whom I know to be rational thinkers or planners, are sharing that they're considering abruptly quitting their jobs without having another job or without a plan because of burnout. A few weeks ago, my spouse and I physically reconnected with a friend and her spouse on a Saturday evening at a lovely restaurant. Although we had texted and phone chatted with our friends during COVID, we had not seen each other even via Zoom since before COVID. Needless to say, we were all excited to catch up and just enjoy the evening. After fist bumps between the two spouses and hugs between my friend and me, we sat down. I looked at my friend and asked the obvious question that most of us would ask after a year of traumatic economic, social, and racial events. So how are you doing? Before I could finish the sentence and our derrieres hit the seat cushions, she gave me an exhausted look, blew out some air and said, I'm exhausted. I looked in her eyes and I could see the tiredness that I hadn't noticed in my rush to embrace. I paused, but she didn't. Words of frustration rolled off her tongue as she explained that she was working seven days a week. How she began her days at 7 a.m. and often worked until she went to bed at night. She talked about how the CEO calls on her family vacations because he needs this or he needs that. She addressed the demands of the job that never seemed to let up. I quietly listened until she said, I'm quitting. I'm leaving the workplace for good in a few months and living off of my 401k. So the retired career banker in me automatically perked up, given that she's not yet 60. And I asked her, what are you going to do about your medical insurance? She looked at me quizzically asking, what do you mean? I told her the story of another friend who was turning 65 in October. She left the workplace abruptly five years ago and recently revealed to me that she had to pay $1,500 per month for medical insurance just for herself each month for the last five years, which is close to $90,000 over five years. I might add the medical insurance was group insurance through her former employer where she had retired. I was stunned then listening to her story 
though she was excited to tell me that now she's eligible for Medicare and she'll be giving herself a raise. Medicare at age 65 will only cost her $500 per month, giving her a raise of $1,000 per month if you choose to look at it that way. But $90,000, a person can do a lot with that invested over five years with compounded interest. So back to the dinner table. When I tell my dinner mate this, she looks shocked. She had no idea that insurance on your own, equivalent to that of her employer, was so expensive. She hadn't planned on such a huge expense. I commented that withdrawing money from her 401k so early without any other supplemental income is a straight drawdown that could run out quickly when we're living so much longer. Now, she paused as I talked, but I'm tired, she said. I'm exhausted. I can't go on much longer. This is a common refrain today. Two weeks ago after that dinner, I had breakfast with another friend who was in her early 50s. And before the waitress made her way to our table, this friend also mentioned quitting and throwing in the towel as well. When I asked her what her plan was, she said she didn't have one. Most of us are tired and many are burnt out from the strain, pressure, and emotional toil of the past year and a half. Some were already tired and burnt out before COVID and the pandemic and other concerns simply put the nails into the coffin. Out of curiosity, I visited the Bureau of Labor Statistics site, which is one of my favorite sites to visit to see what's happening in the workforce in terms of numbers. I went to the site just to see the most recent quit rates. The quit rates in the U.S. is at an all-time high. The Bureau of Labor Statistics recorded almost 4 million quits in May of 2021. This rate of quits, which is 2.5%, is the highest recorded since the Bureau of Labor Statistics started collecting data for its job openings in labor turnover survey in 2000. Burnout may be the main culprit causing workers to quit their jobs, according to experts. A 2021 study by Bamboo HR found that 8 in 10 remote workers said their career development has been negatively affected over the past year. The top two factors cited were burnout at 25% and the task of renegotiating work-life balance also at 25%. Who among us hasn't felt burnt out at some point in their career? You don't have to have a high-paying job or a senior position to feel the burn. After all, burnout is a systemic issue, not an individual one. But the decision to stay or quit is not to be taken lightly. Much thought should be given to when it's the right time to quit. Likewise, much thought should be given to the question, is it best to stay put? As the pandemic has caused us to reassess our careers and positions that do not fulfill us or instead exhaust us, there are few factors such as financial, professional, and emotional that I'd like you to consider. Let's talk first about the obvious concern, money. Can you afford to quit without another job? Can you really afford to simply 
chuck up the deuces sign and walk away. I speak from experience. I abruptly quit a job I hated during the Reagan years when unemployment was over 10%. I didn't know what the unemployment rate was at that time, and I didn't care. I simply did not like the job or my boss, and I was willing to take the risk, which is easy to do when you're in your early 20s, have no children or a spouse, and limited responsibilities. I had a $100 student loan, a $600 per month apartment, and a car I purchased with cash. Lest that sound fancy or highfalutin, know that the used car cost $1,000 and only ran on sunny days. Honestly, I had only given my decision to quit 10 minutes of thought. There was no plan, no savings account, or deep reflection, only frustration and burnout. Fortunately, I found a better position within two weeks. Thank goodness for a little luck and a whole lot of grace. But many of those who are burnt out have great responsibilities like spouses, children, car notes, mortgages, and some student loans still, I might add. An abrupt, unplanned exit may change the family dynamics. If you have a spouse, is he or she on board with the departure? If not, it can change the marital dynamics fast and lead to some unpleasant issues without spousal support if the money gets tight or if your spouse feels they're now weighted down with the lion's share. And with or without a spouse, dipping into the 401k before retirement or before age 59 and a half can be very risky. As I mentioned to my dinner friend, if you are not 59 and a half, withdrawing funds too soon can levy some hefty IRS penalties and taxes that you may be unprepared to pay without a job, depending upon how much is withdrawn. I know several people who have withdrawn large sums prior to 59 and a half, and they were shocked when the IRS came a calling. Another factor to consider is health care. I often joke that if health care was not an issue, half the people over age 50 would quit their job. It's only sort of a joke because health care is no joke. The cost of it is serious. Many employees have their health care coverage through their employer. This group rate, some of which is passed on to you and yes, is still expensive, is reduced and covered primarily by your employer. Without your employer's group plan, you may have to go into the marketplace, search and buy coverage. Depending upon how great your employer coverage is, marketplace insurance may not be as great and can create more out-of-pocket costs for you. But no, if you are 65, Medicare may be an option for you. So now let's look at quitting from a purely professional perspective. Consider your industry expertise and credentials. Let's start first with industry. What's going on in your industry? Is it booming or flatlining? According to research from McKinsey and Company this month, the wellness market encompassing health, fitness, nutrition, appearance, sleep, and mindfulness is growing at 5 to 10% per year. It makes sense that consumers, after everything we've endured throughout the COVID-19 crisis, are seeking ways to take control of our well-being. 
Technology, of course, had a real boost during the pandemic as people bought technology from home. And 45% of the workers worked online. And we saw the acceleration of existing trends such as industrial automation and contactless payments. Healthcare is booming as one of the largest and fastest growing industries in the world. But the travel and retail industries, for example, are in recovery mode. Knowing how your industry is doing can support you in making the red light, green light decision. If you are in healthcare, for example, the odds of finding another opportunity looks bright simply because the industry is growing at a fast pace and the need is great. If you are in the travel industry, you may need to ask yourself whether or not you would be jumping from the skillet to the frying pan as the industry is a flux and may not yet be operationally smooth. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Sometimes it's just well watered. And speaking of watering, this brings me to my next professional consideration point as you ponder pushing through the burnout or just abruptly leaving. Do you have the needed industry credentials to shift abruptly without a plan? Let me explain this further. I come in contact every day with employees who have been employed with the organization for years. And by years, I'm talking 10, 20, 30 or more years. They're hard workers with a lot of industry knowledge and experience and are often the company's go-to person. Actually, they know where the bodies are buried and can tell you a thing or two about the organization. But during their career, they spent very little time retooling their skills or securing the certification or degrees that elevate and separate them in their specific industry from others as they work their way up. Case in point, I have a friend who has a bachelor's degree and years of human resource experience at a particular company. She's respected and has done well climbing the corporate ladder to a senior level, but she is not HR certified with the Society of Human Resources, known as SHRM, or the HR Certification Institute, known as HRCI. These certifications which 34% of all HR professionals have, prove that you have a good knowledge base and that you know what you're doing. Most open human resource positions, especially at senior Fortune 100 levels today, mention certifications in the job requirements. My friend and I debate this periodically as I try to coach her into obtaining her certification. Her position is that she has years of experience and that is sufficient for leaving her job and later on getting another. My position is, yes, that may be true, but you cannot ignore there are others who have been at their organization also for 10, 20, 30 years who have their certification, kept their skills fresh, or were constantly retooling while she did not. And if I'm an employer, and I must make a decision between the two of them, when the certification is likely a preferable qualification, I'm going to select the candidate with the certification, all things being equal. I realize this is a debatable point, but ask yourself if, from a professional point, you are A, competitive in the industry and can quickly rebound if you abruptly quit, and B, 
if you are positioned to demand your current salary, benefits, and more if you do get the job. The last consideration is the emotional one. Is it too much? Pushing through the burnout is tough. I get it. I have had the, shall I call them, opportunities that left me struggling to get out of bed in the morning or left me sitting in my car on the brink of tears until the last possible moment before I walked into the building. Been there, done that, and not interested in doing it again. But consider whether your emotional health is really at stake. As a plug, I refer you to episodes 36 and 37 of The Career Couch with Dr. Carol and Friends, where I talk with clinical psychologist Dr. Jill Grasso on mental health. The episode is entitled Recognizing and Managing Mental Health in the Workplace. He is awesome and has some great advice in those episodes. But I asked him how you know when you are on the brink and have had enough and what you should do. Here is a snippet of that conversation. What would you say is at the moment where um, people need to say, I need a break, it's too much? Like, is there a, yeah. is there a mark where people need to recognize you're over your limit, enough is enough? Like yeah. you're heading down the wrong path with your head. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think the rule of thumb that as mental health professionals emphasize is when, when your level of stress or your emotional symptoms or your thinking or even your, your behavior, it has shifted in a way that is concerning you. It's to your detriment and it's getting in the way of your ability to function. It's getting in the way of your ability to work or to, um, you know, carry out your, your obligations at home and in your everyday life, it's getting in the way of your relationships. Reach out for support. I thank Dr. Grasso for that exchange. Listeners, you know your body and your health. At the end of the day, you have to do what is best for you. Pushing through the burnout may not be the best thing for you. Working with your doctor can help you make that decision. But we're all in somewhat of a state of worker shock as a result of the pandemic crisis. So find space to have a clear head. Ask yourself what is really going on. Is it the boss, the team, the culture, the work? Think carefully and honestly as you consider alternatives. Can you identify opportunities which could potentially redesign your role or make the current situation better? Consider long and short-term impacts. If you are dead certain you want to leave, whip out your calculator and do some basic math. Make it happen for yourself, not so abruptly, but with a financial plan. I'm for growth and transformation and moving on. After all, this podcast is about reaching your full potential. It's not about fear and staying with a company that doesn't fulfill your needs or causes you to be emotionally spent or stifles your career. The bottom line is this. You've spent a lot of time nurturing your career and getting to where you are today. Knowing the right time to quit requires some homework, some self-reflection, and reassessing. And I would add more than 10 minutes of thought. Listeners, thank you for indulging me this week. 
I'm always glad you decided to take 30 minutes of your time to listen to the podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Ison Barnes, and I hope you join next week when Dr. Rob Fazio, a licensed psychologist, will speak on the topic of coping and growing during a crisis. Have a great day. Thank you.